All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the New Paradigm Podcast um, with myself, Lofi Drif, and Eli Weld with you today. Um, so if you don't know who Eli is, he's he's been crushing in sales over the past um, 10 to 20 years, um, you know, working directly with Tony, his number one sales guy, and closed more than $100 million in sales for him. And he's also coached more than, over 100,000 people in sales, more than 3,400 seminars, and I'd actually want to start with one of the first stories I heard from him when um, I think you, you were in hospital. And this is, I think, this is when you were still working with Tony and, you know, you outperformed everyone else who was on the team with you. So why don't we start there? I think that that's a great starting story for um, for this podcast. Yeah, well, I I got the job with Tony and I, I ended up living with his son, Jarek, um, and his brother-in-law, Scott. It was amazing to get that level of of insight. Whenever I had really, you know, silly questions, I'd ask Jarek or Scott and they would ask Tony and I'd get back a really profound answer to my pretty dumb question. And so I, I took that information. I ran with it, did really well. Um, but prior to all of that, I was an actor. And so I decided with all this confidence from speaking every day and working with Tony that I would get back into acting. I did it and um, started to do well, but I ended up getting really sick got a parasite, all these things happened about died. And, um, I came back to work for Tony, like literally on my deathbed. Uh, he said some things to me, really inspired me to make some, some real changes in my life, not just what I was doing, but my perception of what I was going through and, and how it was developing me and making it work for me instead of against me. And so a lot of those those principles that we've all heard, like it's not happening it's to you, it's happening for you. Like we hear these, these bumper sticker statements and we hear these sound bites from coaches every once in a while. And, you know, like we get it, but it's like, whatever. Tony, you know, coached me and, and made it very real for me. And in 2010, when I came back to work for him, um, he was my coach and I got a lot of, you know, attention from other people in the community there that really helped me a lot. And essentially that year, um, Tony had done kind of like a contest and the top person in each division of the, the company got to go to Fiji, but if you broke all these records and did this unbelievable thing, you got to stay in Tony's old house, eat dinner with him every night, play golf, just get, you have to basically live the dream because everybody who works for Tony is like a huge Tony van. Like we, you know, it's a sense of mission and purpose and we just love the guy. He's an amazing guy, but I was still really sick. And despite that, in 2010, I worked half the week for Tony and the other half of the week I laid in bed or a hospital bed. So I worked about 60% less than everybody there, but was still able to you know, be the top salesperson. And so he created an award based on my performance, uh, took me to Fiji where I got to ask him even more silly, dumb questions. And he was so kind, so sincere, not just his answers, but his way of being massively changed my life and gave me a standard as to how I wanted to be and show up in my life for these people. And some of those conversations we'll, we'll get into here because they've changed my capacity to be influential for, for people, not just sell them into something. It, it shifted the way I saw the sales conversation. And, and that is when I really showed up differently in my script, in my presentation, in my events. And I was able to, to sell the majority of people not just with some tactical thing. It was it was a different level of being. And you, you've been through my sales training. I always say sales shouldn't be transactional. It can be transformational. 
and seeing Tony at those events and seeing him, uh, most people listening to this have probably seen I'm Not Your Guru um, or seen a Tony soundbite of him turning around a suicide. I remember having these light bulb moments thinking, if this dude can turn around a suicide, I wonder if I could use these same techniques to turn around sales uh, if I knew the steps. And so it's been my my mission to kind of unpack everything based in Gestalt, Rogerian, NLP, what, what Tony's done, and put that into a sales conversation, which connects uh, and converts. And so that's what we do. Yeah. So I think just to follow up on that, because you mentioned you went with them to Fiji and... Um, I remember you mentioning this as well a while back where I think this is where you learn about, about postures, I believe. Um, yeah. if, if, if we can go on that, cause I think that, that was super interesting for me as well to learn about the, the types of postures and yeah. Yeah. 2010, Tony had taught this concept at a, a sales training. He went really deep on it and he talked about just kind of how we need to be energetically on sales calls, uh, on our presentation. And he said that he really, learned a lot of it. And he, you know, Tony, as mentors, we all have mentors. And one of his mentors is, you know, not mentor, but aspirational figure. A lot of us look up to was certainly for me as a child was Bruce Lee. And Bruce Lee, he studied all the different disciplines. And he kind of put put them together and he found his own way. Jeet Kune Do is the way of no way. It's like this this way of using what's there and to make this real for people. So this isn't just a practical concept. It became two main skills that we train on sensory acuity and behavioral flexibility. So we need to be hyper aware of what's there, move energetically and use new, new tools, be flexible in our approach, but be sensitive to what's there. And this main concept of postures come into play and Tony not only explained it to me then, but then we did like, uh, he took me and another guy. We went to Vegas for a weekend. We did fight training with the Navy SEALs. We did, we shot machine guns. We just had a boys day and Tony really instilled, like that's when I really got it on a different level. I, cause you get things, you can understand something intellectually and then it's a whole different experience when you get something physically, like it's in you. It's like a part of you. It's like your, your arm is part of you. I don't think about moving it. I just, I just move it. And when you're always conscious of these tools, and most people are, get to this intellectual level where they say, oh, I understand. But they understand something, but they haven't mastered it. When you mastered it, it's just like, you know, it's just you subconsciously move your arms when you talk. It's just like some, something becomes a car, part of you. And he did some exercises with us there and brought a different level of depth and awareness into these principles and said that this is probably one of his most powerful techniques that he uses. And once I got it, like I really got it, my sales doubled almost overnight. And this concept of postures is simply this. There's three core postures that we speak through. One is superior. And when you see a lot of you know gurus on stage, they kind of talk down to the audience. And when you're superior to people, you're talking down to them. And if you've got an audience that's, you know, when I started out, I was in my mid twenties and if I'm coaching a, a group of millionaires and I'm coming off superior, they're going to be like, get the F out of here. We're going to, we're going to butt heads. And so two people cannot occupy the same posture simultaneously. And so I'd enter into these conversations and if somebody was really superior, I might immediately go inferior. Uh, but the trick of it is this, and I'll just, I'll tell you the, the secret to it right away. Most people get locked into one posture. I don't 
because I said we need sensory acuity and behavioral flexibility. So they're superior where we talk down to somebody, we tell them what to do. Like I'm even changing my tonality right now. I might pause more for effect and let something land. There's a cadence and a, a tonality and a demanding, or I could be really direct with my language. So there's superior, then there's equal. And I spend, I call it the equal 80 because I spend 80% of my time equal, just talking like a friend. And I think that's where the real power is to be equal. And you want to be like a friend. But the challenge with that is most people get locked into equal and they think, oh, you know, Luffy or Sue or Bob, you know, they're, they're my friend. I'll pay them later. And so mm. equal is where you want to spend most of your time, but you don't want to get locked there. And then there's inferior, which I might praise you. And inferior doesn't mean that you're an inferior person. It's just an inferior posture. So I always remind people, inferior doesn't mean that you're weak. Uh, like in jujitsu, you can kill somebody on your back being in an inferior position. And when you go inferior, initially in conversation, somebody else might do what? They might drop their guard because they mm -hmm. say, oh, this guy is just this way. And so I might enter into a conversation with somebody who's really superior and talking about how great they are. So, well, I admire you so much. How is it you were able to do that? And so we need to figure out a way to give people what they want and what they need. And a lot of people are starving for significance. They want to feel special. Give it to them. Especially when you have somebody with an ego, I always give it to them. So they're like, hey, I've done all this and this. And, you know, I, I coach salespeople for a living. And people were like, I would go into a company, oh, you're so great at sales. Look at what I've done. And they're trying to be combative with me. I was like, wow, I could probably learn a lot from you too. I, I feel honored to hopefully be able to serve you in some way to take my insights and just add to it because you're already so great. So I just give it to them. I'm not going to bump heads. And you have in these sales calls or even presentations, you might have somebody get on the phone with you and they're immediately bullying you with their energy or, hey, just give me the price. And so there's, there's obviously things that you can say to diffuse that energy, but a lot of it's just your being. And sometimes we get on a sales call and there's the salesperson who's putting people into a frame. They're being over, overly superior and that creates resistance in the other person. And then you've just got this, this like headbutting match that goes on for 45 minutes where everybody's competing for frame control. And a really amazing book that goes into it is Pitch Anything by Oren Claff. Amazing books. And it talks about there's always these clashes of frames. I, I agree with that. And I think it doesn't need to be a clash. So there's, this is a, this concept of postures is a, like a, not just a linguistic, but a energetic tool to shift energy inside of a person. So they drop their resistance and we can connect. However, as I said, most people get locked into one of three postures. The power in it is your capacity to have sensory acuity and behavioral flexibility. Uh, Jim Rohn talked about this. Like when the storm comes, the storm of emotion, the storm of challenge, the storm of change, the storm of another person's frustration. When the storm comes, the mighty oak falls, but the willow tree stands tall because it was most flexible in the storm. And so when we have that flexibility, we can take what's there and move around it. Now, I remember shortly after, you know, really encapsulating this, I was listening to an old power talk, which is kind of like a podcast of today between Tony Robbins and Jay Abraham. And Jay Abraham is like the most genius marketer dude ever. However, whenever he's on stage with somebody else or in an interview, 
they usually have to kind of reel him in because he goes off on tangents that are often have nothing to do with the question that was answered. So I listened to a podcast of, uh, or a power talk, if you will, of Tony Robbins and Jay Abraham as I was really mastering this concept. And Jay Abraham in this interview goes off on a bit of a tangent and Tony goes, listen to me, Jay. And he said it with a strong tone of voice, like, shut the F up. Listen to me, Jay, which is superior. And then he immediately said, the great thing about you is what I admire so much is. So he went superior, immediately go to in, went inferior, then he went equal, and then he redirected him. So I get, I, I get this sometimes. Somebody will ask me a silly question. I say, well, well, listen, which is a command. The great thing about what you're what you're really offering your people is and what I admire about you so much is, so as soon as it happens in a split second, as soon as somebody feels like I interrupt their pattern, listen, look, here's what's really great. So my tonality changes, I connect where they don't feel like I'm being combative with them. I acknowledge them, I connect with them, and then I redirect them. So it's four things that I'm doing constantly. It's like, listen to me. The great thing about what you're asking is the great thing about your question. The great thing I can see in you is this, but I think that we all want to equal. So the real question is, and I redirect. So these things are happening so fast. It's just, just like when you see a great magician, Tony's his linguistic skills. There's other people too that I've followed for years. It's really amazing to see what they do. Just like a great magician, you're just, you're absorbed in it. There's actually a, a book that had a big impact on my sales called Slight of Mouth, which talks about some of these reframing patterns by uh, Robert Diltz. And I got really, really good, obviously, watching Tony and other people, but I started to, to really become a master of the principles and the process by watching salespeople and presenters who sucked. It's like when you see an amazing, amazing magician do a magic trick, you're like, I have no idea how he did it. And you study, but you're like, so I don't get it. When you watch a really crappy magician and you see him do the, the magic trick and you can see, oh, there's a little something hanging out the sleeve. Okay. There's a, there's, you know, there's some feathers in the pocket there. There's something like that. I can see where they're messing up and they're doing it kind of slow and a little bit clunky and you begin to see the steps. So it was great to see somebody do it magically, but seeing really bad speakers and bad salespeople and, you know, having a sales training course, I got to start to listen to a lot of really bad sales calls through this filter, which I learned from other people, like their mistakes taught me how to teach. So it's kind of, you know, I, I think it's so important for everybody who's listening to this, that's a coach of some sort. It's really great for you to learn stuff, but then also to teach and that's where you create your own frameworks. And so that's what we've done at this point is taken all of that and created new processes to make it really simple for people. Yeah, absolutely. Totally, totally with you. Um, I think th th this ties in well to another concept about the three levels of mastery, um, you know, the understanding, the cognitive and the physical. Um, you know, why don't we touch on that for a bit? Because I, I think that ties in very well with what you what, what you just mentioned. Yeah. It goes back yeah. to just that, you know, it's, it could be even related to unconscious competence, which is what we want, where you don't have to think about it. But yeah. if you see somebody who's really amazing, anything you, there's something that you don't understand. And then some people learn something, they read a book on something, they see a speaker teach something, and then they get a level of understanding. 
which is the lowest level of mastery. So people say, oh, I understand. I get it. I know that. You don't know it unless you can just do it without thinking about it. There's, there's a, that should be the mark of really understanding something. But the lowest level is just understanding. And for most people, when they say they know something or they understand, uh, what they do is they, they break their commitment to mastery. They're already satiated. And so understanding is the lowest level. And then there's cognitive mastery. That means that you can regurgitate it. And that's a lot of coaches. We have so many coaches, coaching coaches on how to be better coaches and market their coaching to other coaches. And so most people are just regurgitating this stuff all the time. And it's like, I mean, I, I remember years ago, this lady who would remain nameless, very charismatic lady. And all my friends were signing up for this lady's seminar. And she was making a hundred grand a month. And it was $10,000 to go to her seminar. She did one a month and she only had 10 people allowed to come to it. I was like, uh, I can kind of figure out what's going to happen. They went to the seminar, they paid 10 grand. And essentially she said, well, you need to find 10 people to come to your seminar for 10 grand a month. So it's kind of like, well, what, what are you actually teaching though? She's like, well, here's what I just do what I did. But, I, but you're, you're just, it's the, the promise to making big claims. And so that's, you know, it's, it's, we have all these marketers just making really big claims and it's been fascinating to be on the other side of it, which, you know, kind of makes this come full circle, this unconscious competence. So the highest level of mastery is it's physical mastery where it's just in you, where you don't have to think about it. And because you are the principles, you add your own essence to other people's challenges and problems and process. And you can go into any context and, and shift you know, shift what's happening there. And so that's, that's the level hopefully that we, we all aspire to, but that's not an easy path. It just takes, takes years and years and years of development. And, and we all want uh, instant gratification, the easy copy paste, quick fix thing. But unfortunately, mastery doesn't come from that. And when you get into the higher levels of coaching, working with great clients, they want that. They want somebody who's grounded and solid and con been consistent and, provide certainty for their business. And so that's, that's why the training never stops. And even for myself, I've had times where I took off and wasn't doing any kind of sales training for a long time, got back into it a three, three months later after working on a different project. And I was like, wow, I'm a little rusty. I need to listen to some sales calls. I need to go back into this. And so that, that training, you know, my, my worst is probably better than most people's best. Uh, even other sales trainers just at this point has been about 20 years, but Still, you can tell when you're getting better. And it's just like going to the mental, emotional gym. So that physical mastery over your tools and your concepts, absolutely key. And that's when it's like you become, you become it, you become the thing. Yeah, absolutely. So like, um, what, um, because I know you've done a lot of like seminars in person and also uh, I mean, I think that's pretty much how you started the career, you know, doing the in-person stuff. How have you found the transition to um, to digital and online being? Because I know, I know you had a thing where you did like $3 million in messenger sales, uh, but just generally just, just selling online compared to like doing everything in person. How's, how's that been? And do you have any pointers on, on that? Um, well, I've got, yeah. I've got like 12 events coming up. In the next three right. months, I've got an event coming up with Gary V. Um, next month, I got one with my buddy Paul Getter, who built out a lot of the social media for these people. So I love in-person events. 
They're the best for impact, but they're super expensive. You know, you got to fill the room. So essentially like you rent a room, which is money out of pocket and you got to fill the room. You got to do marketing to get people in the room. They got to pay for flights and tickets. And if you go to a hotel room, it's like $10,000 for coffee. They basically just, they really put it on you. And so it is a heavy expense. Like you have to, you have to love it. Uh, and if you're good and you know what you're doing, you can monetize like crazy because people love uh, interaction. Even when you join a high ticket coaching program, people of course want the content, but they'll stay for the community. And when you do a live in-person event, you have instant community if the event is run well, because it should be about connecting. It should be about the leader, the speaker, whatever, creating a fun environment um, to make sure people have experiences. So it's hard and they're, they're obviously doing it. You know, a lot of people are doing these virtual events and they're great. Um, I think the virtual event space is here to stay. Like even post pandemic, who knows if COVID will ever stop. Uh, but you know, it's definitely shifted things and it's become, it's become great. Like I, I will always, uh, have an affection for live events, but now I get to reach more people at people that would never have gotten to see me. We're doing, uh, these, these live virtual events. Now, um, I'm doing one a month and I'm doing them with other people too. I did one earlier today. Uh, like I'll speak on other people's stages. They'll speak on mine. We'll do five day challenges. We'll do one day events all virtual. And so it's amazing. And when you have something that's virtual, you get to test everything a lot and you just have more reps. So I love the virtual events. We're figuring out some things, the SOPs. Uh, I'm in a group where people are doing seven figure days with virtual events. And so the, the challenges, the opportunity is there, but there's of course challenges that come with that. People are in their home, they get distracted. So there's, or if you do a hybrid event where you have people in the audience live and you have people home virtual, how do you, how do you get them interacting with each other? So it's all about creating community. So there's some great opportunities with it now too. And I think um, as we go, we bring some of my technology into corporate. There's people working from home. There's people working in the corporate office. How do you create connection? How do you create feedback loops? How do you create teams? How do you create community? How do you really create this sense of culture within a company is absolutely key. And I think there's a huge opportunity now with the virtual events. But again, just to answer your question plainly, I prefer in person, but also it's a, it's a lot of energy to drive to the hotel, put a lot of things out. There's so much that happens behind the scenes with a live event that you don't really have to worry about as much. You still have to worry about it some with a virtual event, but it's just, a, it's a lot easier. Anybody can do an event now. Um, we actually teach people one to many sales. It's like how to sell to a group online through a virtual event. And that's our, our main thing that we do now, just because it's such a, such a huge opportunity. People have always said they want to be a speaker someday or speak on a big stage, but again, it's expensive and you got to be good and you got to travel. But now anybody can build a following pretty quick, do a free masterclass just by posting on their social media and get a handful of people and they can begin to practice right now. So the, the barrier to entry is easier, which I love uh, with virtual events. And I think it's just more accessible to everybody. So uh, I think it's here to stay regardless if I like it or not. Yeah, I think it's been more important as well um, with COVID coming along and forcing people to stay inside and flight flight restrictions and yeah. quarantines. Um, 
I mean, comparing now to pre-COVID, like what what are your tips or like your your thoughts on like selling in times of crisis, like during the times that we're in now? What's the like what what's the change you've seen in people's mindsets and the approaches like you've taken? Mm. So there's, you know, kind of going back through and, and you know, and, and obviously Tony's been my mentor. So I, I put a lot of things through that filter, but if you're not into Tony stuff or of that world, another kind of framework for understanding people is just simply Maslow's, you know, Maslow's hierarchy. And the base of that hierarchy, as far as meeting people's needs is the need for certainty. And so we've got all these needs adventure, growth, contribution, love, all of that. But if you and I are talking right now and there was an earthquake, like a tragedy, something happening, we would not be focused on each other. Different hormones would all go through your body, like different, you know, adrenaline and cortisol. You would have trouble focusing on me. You would be like in your body and you'd be freaking out. And so when people are in massive uncertainty and they're freaking out, they're looking for certainty. And so right now what we have with COVID, with all of the doom and gloom in the news, they're putting people in a massive state of uncertainty. And when people are in a state of uncertainty, they're easier to control because uh, they're looking for something solid to grab onto. And so knowing that to be true, that people are in uncertainty, uh, we can use that to our advantage if we're ethical, but here's what we need to get. And this is kind of the process of sales. And I know you've seen me talk about this. I talk about there's the earth and the moon. If the earth gets bigger, the, the moon would be drawn toward it. And so in that exchange between the earth and the moon, you can look into the sky. If the earth that you're on right now got bigger, the moon would get closer. But if the earth shrank that we're on right now, the moon would get further away. And so how do we use this physics principle for our sales? Know this, that if we can get people to feel uncertain, about where they are because of Corona, because of whatever, they'll, they'll want to be drawn towards something. So how we communicate, how we sell, how we create a solid brand and solid processes in our business will give somebody something, a feeling of certainty to move towards. And so the process of sales through asking questions or even with our marketing, it's big promises and people get, begin to doubt, well, am I doing it the right way? So if people doubt themselves, they have uncertainty attached to what they're doing or how they're being or how they're communicating, they begin to look for answers and they draw towards something that will make them feel more certain or safe. And so that's that's essentially the process of what's happening with sales and marketing. And that's what's happening all around us. And so Corona, uh, just like anything else, is, you know, it, there's going to be other quote unquote Coronas out there, other significant emotional events in people's lives that caused them in some uncertainty. And so this Corona thing is not really, it's not really a new thing. It's just the new thing that's causing some uncertainty. It'll be some flu or some, some this or that. And that's always going to be there uh, at this level. Hopefully not, but it's just something out there that's causing people uncertainty. And most people, if they didn't watch social media or the news, they wouldn't even know that there was a pandemic going on. Most people. And so, you know, take that for what you will. Uh, there's just a lot out there that makes us feel uncertain. And when people feel uncertain around their health, their finances, their future, they begin to look for something strong to, to latch onto. And using this ethically, 
we can be that for somebody else with our product, service, or ideas and create a community for people where they can feel safe and certain, but we also need to provide them real results. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 100%. Um, just on like B2B, this like B2C sales, because I know you've done a lot in, um, I think when you, you started a, um, was it seven weeks to seven, um, the seven figure body that you had? Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. My background, I was a kinesiology major in school. I didn't know what I wanted to be in college. So I just, I liked working out. And so I just, I studied that and I figured I'd be a chiropractor, but uh, you know, life happens and, and it didn't go that route. But um, my first like coaching, my company was called Seven Figure Body, six steps to a seven figure body in eight weeks for entrepreneurs that are destroying their health to build their wealth. And, you know, we put together this whole thing and it was going to be amazing. Like I, and I didn't think, and I was doing decent. My, my first day that I made an offer, I mean, my first day in the business, I had a five figure day and I was like, I'm going to be rich. And then I got into the sales process a lot and I, I felt like I could enroll anybody. And I got my first high ticket coach and he was like, you know, you're pretty good at the sales thing. Why don't you just teach sales? And I was like, people would pay for that. He's like, yeah, you're the top salesperson all time, like basically for the industry. Like you should be teaching this. And I was like, uh, okay. And I just, I brought on a few people and, and the rest is history. But um, yeah, that was our first, that was my first kind of intro into uh, coaching was, was health coaching. And that was it. Yeah. Loved yeah. It. How, how, what, how, have you, what differences have you seen between like doing B2B and B2C sales? Um, in terms of selling to those types of people. B2B, you know, if you're selling to companies, you're going to have to deal with more people. And so it's like, if you're selling B2C, you usually ask some question about like spouse or business partner to see if other people are involved to make the sale. With B2B, there's always other people involved. And so you need to be able to kind of pull through the pre-handle the objections and know if you're talking to the right person, um, not be dismissive to the person who's not the decision maker, because it's going to be a collaborative effort. You need to provide some real value. You need to be able to get everybody on the phone. Uh, you need to be able to inspire people to action. You need to be able to, it's a different level of leadership that is required with B2B. And I started in B2B. And so that really helped me. And B2C became a lot easier. The B2, the Tony Robbins gig, um, it was B2B, but a lot of it was B2C. And so a lot of times I went into companies to make a B2B sale and they weren't open to it at all, but I was able to still make presentations and then I did B2C. So I sold individuals within a company. So it was kind of both at the same time. So a lot of sensory acuity. Uh, there was no like exact framework. They say this or that, but you get a feel or a sense and there's now looking back on it, there's certain certain questions I ask to make sure that the right people are on board on the conversation, that it's framed appropriately, and to get all appropriate members there. But a lot of it, what creates that is the value that I was presenting from the start, where people just became more involved. So a lot of it just comes from your own expertise. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so in, in terms of like sales versus influence, like, cause I, I know, I know you're doing more stuff recently with like NLP with, um, 
with um, Chase Chase Hughes and the, the, the new programs that you have. So what, how much of, of the sales process do you try to like implement like NLP and things like that? And if so, like what, how, like what kind of things have you, have you done successfully that on that side? You know, it's interesting. I did an event, my buddy Chase Hughes, he's like the top uh, military government interrogator, body language dude. This guy's he's a genius. And like he, what he does, and he said this initially, like what he does is so far beyond NLP. And I was like, yeah, whatever. And it, my, my filter was always kind of everything is NLP. And that's true and it's not true. So NLP by definition is the science. It's the study of human excellence in communication. So when you see somebody who's excellent, you know, say a Michael Jordan, a Kobe, Kobe Bryant, not only what are they doing, but what are they thinking? And so everything down from the pictures they make inside of their head. So it's an understanding that everything is a strategy. So neuro-linguistic programming, nervous system, linguistics, language programming. So how do we use communication, pictures in our mind, sounds, sights, smells to reproduce certain states that make us more resourceful, more creative, more productive, more effective. And so there's a syntax, an order and sequence in which we think or feel or breathe that puts us in an optimal state that really produces this great great performance. And so there's two ways that we look at it in the sales conversation. There's your internal state. Like when you get on a sales call, you've had, you know, you listen to this, you've had times where you're on, times where you are off. And sometimes somebody triggers you and you get thrown off. Your focus, the meaning, your breathing, your there's a tightness in your chest. So your physiology is off. And so in this two-way of communication, there's your own state that we can condition. When you think of the top, if you took the top 50 salespeople in the world, there'd probably be some consistent patterns on what they believe about sales, what they believe about themselves, what they believe about their product. So the science of excellence in human communication, it just means that what we're doing is we're unpacking consistent patterns, not just in what people say, but in how they're thinking, how they're feeling, how they're making pictures in their mind, or what we call their internal representation system. How, how they represent what's happening to themselves internally. And so getting somebody in a consistent state, that is a lot of what NLP is all about. The other side of it, and what I've been a geek on for years, because I took all the NLP classes and it was a lot of anchoring or a lot of these, you know, generalized, distort, you know, it's like these, these really basic concepts. And it's like, okay, that's cool. That's a cool technique, but it doesn't really help me. And I think that's the frustration for a lot of people with NLP. And in NLP's defense, it was based for, it was based in the therapy. So all of the concepts and all the books are to help you become a better coach, change somebody's internal representation system around themselves. It wasn't really used for influence, for sales. And so Chase, for example, in my definition of NLP, everything's NLP because it's just the studying of human performance, like excellence in human performance. But the tactics, the way it, in which you elicit information and, and redirect people, interrupt them, all that. So Chase has some next level stuff in that world. And what we've done as we've evolved all of the NLP into the sales conversation, 
we've we've advanced some different techniques and concepts that I originally pulled from NLP, but we've advanced them so far they're beyond it because NLP's reach was more for therapeutic con, you know constructs and so we've uh, we've involved some things that relate to transferring a state into another human being. And so I always say this what moves somebody to action are their thoughts and feelings. So every action that we take or don't take in our life is preceded by a thought and specifically a feeling. And so if we know the thoughts and feelings that people need to have before we get into the game around themselves, around us as an authority, around our product or service, we can systematically implant those thoughts and feelings in people to put them into a state where they're more likely to buy. And so that's essentially what we've done. So NLP, you know, by itself, it's a great tool, but, you know, I've combined essentially everything from copywriting, sales, business, mindset, leadership into it, which, which has evolved it quite a bit. So uh, as, as powerful as some of those techniques are, they weren't built for sales. And so what we're going to do, and we'll, we'll have, uh, I, I'm more teaching the one-to-many sales because that's what I did for Tony. I did presentations that, that sold people because I like selling one-to-many, not just one-to-one. But I get asked about it so much this year, probably in about two months, we'll have a NLP sales certification. Like how do you actually use all of these techniques to shift people's beliefs on a phone call? So we'll put that out in a couple of months for sure. Yeah. So just, just, just to wrap up, if you can go over like where people can learn more about you and what you're um, working on and releasing, because I know you're working on a book as well. I think I heard. Um, yeah, yeah. working on it all this year, kind of just putting a lot of these concepts out there that will be new for people. Uh, and my whole thing has always been sales is leadership. And so it's about becoming a better leader where people naturally just, just trust you. And so we've got some really cool things myself, my business partner put together that have really had a you know significant impact on the industry. But uh, people can follow me. We got some free training. It's just uh, wildinfluence.com forward slash go. And we got some free stuff there. It's wild with an E, W-I-L-D-E, influence.com forward slash go. People can find some of our free stuff there. And then just social media, uh, Instagram. I'm just starting on Instagram. I don't have a ton of people. Uh, I got Instagram and then Facebook is just my Eli Wild, my personal page. I don't really do much of my business page, but that's uh, where I'm starting to put out content almost daily where people can see what we're up to and, and how we're helping people. All righty. Sounds good. Eli, I appreciate you coming on. Um, hopefully we'll try, we'll try again soon. Um, but yeah, I know you're a busy guy, but appreciate you coming on and um, we'll see you soon then. Awesome. Appreciate you, buddy. All right.